This morning we are continuing in a sermon series that Steve started last week called Abnormal. This series really is kind of an intentional series created in response of our current predicament, COVID-19. Because COVID-19 has changed our lives drastically. Now, when I got this assignment, I, I was thinking about that word abnormal. And, and I was thinking about what, what does that mean? Led me to ask the question, what is normal in the first place? So I looked up online. Webster told me that normal means what is usual, what is typical, or an expected standard. And if you've been living life the last six months, you understand that COVID has made our lives unusual, atypical, and unexpected. There was one definition that really stood out to me, a definition of normal, and it said to be free of disorder. And I thought to myself, if you take away COVID-19, if you put everything back to the way it was, could you say that we were free of disorder? I don't think you could. So I'm not sure that it's normal that we're grieving, but rather I think it's comfort and control. Many of us are grieving because our illusion of control has been blown out of the water, right? Battleship has been sunk. Many of us are frustrated because at times this has made our lives very uncomfortable. But there's also some really good things, I think, that have come about during this so-called pandemic. And as much as, don't, don't throw stones at me just yet, but I actually think that this idea of social distance, this mask wearing, this quarantining, staying home when you're sick, there's a part of me that wonders, why have we not been doing that in the first place? Not in the sense of what we're being required to do now where we have to wear a mask everywhere. But during flu season, if you're feeling sick, why are you going out? Why are you going to work? Why are you not wearing a mask? Why are we not doing some of those things? So I think illuminating that for us has been a good thing. Uh, you think about when this happened. Man, this happened at a great time in history. Because even if this happened 10 years ago, can you imagine the fallout would have been so much worse because of what we couldn't do online then. There's been so many people that have been able to keep their jobs and do their jobs at home because of the technology that we have. We've been able to put church service online every week during this whole thing. And we've been able to reach people that maybe we've never been able to reach before. And this, is, this one's a little selfish. But the zoo has had a lot less people at it. And as, as someone who goes to the zoo often to take pictures, I'm very thankful of that because there's nothing that drives me more crazy than when I'm on the ground trying to get a shot of an animal and your kid gets in the way, okay? And, you know, I always look at the parents and I'm like, it's okay. But in my head, I'm thinking, really? I'm trying to take a picture here. So just, just pause for a second. There's a reason why I'm not your children's pastor, but I, I think through this whole thing, I've, I've really learned to understand and appreciate how, how important people are in my life. Um, 
I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I guess it's a good thing. I've had a chance to do home improvements. Uh, but the good thing is, is that we can do them slowly because nobody's coming over. So it doesn't matter if the house is destroyed. And you can look at this both ways. But I think a, a real blessing is that a lot of us have had more time to spend with our families. And I think I could easily stand up here for a long time and give you a list of all my grievances too. But it's not a place that I can afford to let my mind stay for too long. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because we don't want to give anger a foothold because it gives the devil an opportunity. So it's almost this idea, don't, don't let your focus stay on all the negative things and build frustration in your life and give Satan an opportunity to make things even worse than they already are. So the question is, what, what are we focusing on? Because it is our outlook that often determines our outcome. And maybe there's some of you here today and you're like, Yo, listen, pastor, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but coffee, a pep talk, and a positive attitude is not helping me out. And I get that. I, I think I've had a lot of days like that in the last six months. We've been tired, uh, frustrated, angry, sad, and, and honestly just fed up and overwhelmed. But I'm here today to remind you of something, something that I feel like I was reminded of this week in my preparation, that God is still alive. He still reigns on high. He is still good and he still loves us. And he sent his son Jesus that we might under all circumstances be underwhelmed. That we might be able to find peace. And he didn't tell us there wouldn't be trouble. He said there would be. But he said take heart because I have overcome. So that we wouldn't have to buckle under the weight of our sin and our stress and our circumstances. But through Jesus Christ, we might have a chance to encounter hope. And it is this hope that allows us to change our outlook. It is hope that makes positive possible. So then we're asking the question like, okay, but how, how do we who are exhausted, fed up, and overwhelmed, where do we find this hope you're talking about? How do, how do we change our outlook? And, and that's where I want to focus this morning. And, and if you want to follow along on your outline, you want to fill in the blanks, we're going we're gonna to get rolling today. And that is that in uncontrollable times, look for unbelievable opportunities. How many of you can say that at some point in your life, you've had a plan, right? You've had a plan, and then it completely backfired on you. And you've had that moment in life where you're like, Mm, okay, time for plan B, right? So when I was a, a youth pastor in Pennsylvania, I loved to do these things called destination unknown. And maybe there's youth pastors around the world that love doing those because it gives like some intrigue and surprise. I like doing them because I don't have to plan them to last minute because nobody knows where we're going anyways, right? So we're doing this destination unknown. I, I look at the weather and the weather says it's only a 20% chance of rain. It's a 20, that means there's an 80% chance it's not going to rain, right? So we're going to go, to, we're going to drive an hour to Pittsburgh and we're going to go play putt-putt outside and then afterwards we're going to have ice cream and it's going to be a great time, okay? So most of you understand where I'm going with this. You understood what happened to me. We got there after an hour drive and literally we'd seen no rain the moment we parked downpour. And there was, this is a little part of me that was like, okay, kids, we're, we're invested. Let's do this. 
But it was raining a little too hard, and it's Pennsylvania. It was a little chilly, right? So we can't do that. So then I'm thinking, you know, what, what can we do? So maybe some of you understand this if you've ever spent any time living in a small town. But when you live in a small town and you're in the big city, what do you do when you're in the city? You go to Walmart, right? So I'm like, you know what? We're here. Let's go to Walmart. So then, I, then I'm thinking, okay, how can we make this Walmart experience fun, right? And not get kicked out at the same time. So I said, this is what we're going to do, kids. We're not going to run, but we're going to play freeze tag, okay? There's going to be a couple people that are it. And if they tag you, you have to stay still, frozen, how you got tagged until somebody else comes and, and unfreezes you, right? So I decided I wanted to be at first. Obviously, I don't want to look like an idiot and be frozen in the store. So I saw this, one of our, our, our girls, she was rather small. She decided she was going to be clever and hide on the rack in the furniture section. But she didn't know that I saw her get in there. So she gets in there. She's got this great hiding spot. So I come by, sneak by, tag her, say, you're frozen. And then guess what? She stayed there the entire night <laughs> because no one knew where she was to unfreeze her. Right? So it may not have been a whole lot of fun for her. I don't know. But it's, 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 so, it's so interesting to me because what I could have done is in my anger, I could have said, you know what? It rained. We can't do anything. We're just going home. But that night turned into a night that stood in those kids' memories for years. I mean, for years later, I had these kids saying, when are we going to play freeze tag in Walmart again? Like that was so much, that was so much fun. And I think that that's, that's what we have to do in life. Sometimes we get into circumstances or situations where we can't operate the way that we used to operate. If anybody, listen, if anybody in history had good reason to be in a bad mood, it was Paul. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. I mean, I'd be sitting there saying, really, Lord? I'm, I'm sitting here trying to do your will to serve you. Uh, you're all powerful. Uh, maybe a little help here. But instead of getting frustrated, Paul adapts. He says, okay, you're not going to let me preach out there. I'm going to preach in and I'm going to save all the guards. How about that? His mission was to preach. And he couldn't control where, but he could control how. He could control how we spent his time. And while he was in prison, he had a little bit of extra time. So what did he do? He wrote letters of encouragement to churches that are still affecting people today, thousands of years later. I love, I love, I love this. I love the fact that he continues to do what he, was, what he was in prison for while he's in jail in the first place. I want you to know, brothers, that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. This is what Paul says, Philippians 1. So that it has become known throughout the, the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. See, Paul isn't focused on what he can't control. He's looking for new opportunities to live out his calling. His imprisonment may have restricted his, his normal mode of operations, but he adapted to the opportunities at hand. Just have one a, a few moments. Just have a little bit of confession time for Will today. During this season, I have been far too guilty of being overwhelmed and allowing those feelings of overwhelm keep me 
from doing things. I don't know if, has anybody noticed this? If, if you shut, do any shopping online, every website on every page has this little bar up top that says shipping may be affected by COVID-19. Like at what point in our history, what, what point are we going to not blame COVID for things? Like that's everybody's excuse right now. And I'm not saying that it's not real at, at some points, but if, if something goes bad in your life, it's, ah, it's just COVID. It's, just, it's our excuse. And like, I, I'd make fun of them, but I've, I've done the same thing. I've used COVID as, as an excuse to do less, to serve less. And, but I have to be like Paul. And just because I can't serve in the ways that I used to, it doesn't mean that I can't serve at all. It's not an excuse. I got to look for different new opportunities. I put this in your outline. I said, we, we've got to be people that learn to let go of what we cannot control and ask ourselves, what can I do? Like, I understand that prison isn't fun, but how can we make the best of it? Look, look I, I get it. The masks are overly annoying. But look around. Who is suffering and needs help? We've got to quit focusing on what we can't do and focus on what we can do, intentionally looking for these opportunities. And a lot of these opportunities never even existed before. How can we make the best of it? Don't let what you cannot control determine your outlook. Let me give you another one. In unfortunate times, we've got to learn to give God our undivided attention. When I was in high school and I first started driving, I, I, the most exciting thing in the world to me, because I hated the bus, so I finally got a car I could, I could drive myself to school. And I remember driving to school one morning, and I was sitting at a stoplight, and I happened to look over and see uh, there was a woman next to me. And this woman was on the phone. She had her hand back behind holding a bottle, feeding a baby. And she had the visor down, and she was putting on mascara. Listen, my first thought was, this woman is amazing. <laughs> and my, but my second thought was, she should not be driving. She is trying to do way too much right now. This is, this is not safe. And we can, maybe all of us, if, if we had a serious conversation, we may not be able to agree on how to drive properly. But I do think there's one thing that we would agree on, and that is that while you're driving, you should probably focus on that right? You should focus on the road. You, could, you should focus on your surroundings. You should be paying attention. And, and that is to say that where, where we put our focus matters. And it's not just in driving, but, but in our lives as a whole. If you put too much focus on what was, it can keep you from who you could be. Too much focus on the worst case scenario will will it to existence. Accepting who and where you are right now can limit your growth. Believing that you cannot win will bring swift defeat. And if you surround yourself with, with foul input, it will slowly rot your virtue and your morals. We understand that focusing on the wrong thing is not good. It can be detrimental to our health, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. You know, it's been said that the eyes are the windows to the soul. This is what scripture says. Luke eleven thirty four 34, says your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eye is healthy, then your whole body is full of light. 
But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. See, I think this scripture echoes that sentiment, right? That whatever you focus on is where you'll be. If you focus on the darkness, life will be dark. If you focus on the light. It's about how where your focus affects your attitude. It affects your effort. It affects your outlook. And it says right here, if the eye is healthy... Your body is full of life. So then we got to ask the question, well, how does one acquire a healthy eyeball? Right? And it seems to me that if the eye is akin to a lamp, then it needs to be lit. But how do we light that? Or maybe the question is, who is the light? Jesus says in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, what is it? You don't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The source of our focus that can fill us with light. I went on a mission trip to Bangladesh and I don't know what I was expecting, but I did not expect for it to be the hottest place on the planet. It was miserably hot and there was no escape. Like here, when you have a really hot day, you walk into an air-conditioned room, you're like, oh, yeah, that ain't happening in Bangladesh, okay? And so I'm trying to sleep, and it's like close to midnight, and it is scorching hot. And I'm sprawled out on the bed, and I am sweating profusely. It's miserable, right? And I finally get to sleep, and guess what happens? So in Bangladesh, like 90% of the country is Muslim, Right? So they have these little go-kart looking things that run through the city with a siren at 12 at night, waking everybody up so that they can pray. So I finally get to sleep and here goes Mario Kart running around waking everybody up. I'm like, really? I just fell asleep. You waking me up. But what do they do? They wake up and they pray. There's one thing that they do when they pray that I think is really interesting, and that is the direction in which they pray matters. They always want to pray facing Mecca, right? Now, I understand that we're not Muslim, but what would happen in our lives if we focused on Jesus Christ when we prayed? When we focused our attention on him and who he is because he says, listen, I am the light. Not in a ritual sense, but but almost in in posture. Scripture's asking us, what do we do? Turn your eyes to Jesus. Now, I'm assuming most of you have heard this song before. What does it say? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. Why? In the light of his glory. Grace. This idea that we, we get our eyes off the problem, get our eyes off the dark, and turn our eyes to Jesus. Focus on His light. Give Him your undivided attention that you too may be full of light. And COVID 19 has brought darkness. It's made us fearful at times, times we've been exhausted, uh, emotional, and can I get an amen for grumpy? Okay. It's affected our attitude, our outlook. And sometimes it's just been this like cloud of of darkness. And I think the the most frustrating thing about it is there's not a whole lot that we can do. And I think that that's the purpose of focusing our eyes on Jesus. And this is in your outline. You may not be able to change your circumstances, but you can change your perspective and you can change your attitude. And we ask how? Well, first, what we just talked about, prayer. 
And, and prayer is not about changing your circumstances. What prayer does is it changes you so that you can navigate your circumstances. It's this place of, of surrender where we remember who God is and we remember who we're not. It's not a method to fix our problems, but it's giving our problems to someone who can fix them, laying down our burdens to him, a place of humility where we exalt God over self, a place where we remember who's on our side. Also think that if we're going to focus on God, we've got to remember his promises. We've got to remember what he's told us. We've got to soak in the word. Psalm 139, 14 says, I will offer you my grateful heart for I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest detail with excellence and your works are wonderful. I've had far too many moments in my life where I've struggled with that idea of just feeling worthless. Like everybody else is so cool, but who, who am I? What am I, what am I doing on this planet? How am I, like I, I deal with that all the time. And, and sometimes I get so focused on those dark thoughts that, that that's where it leads me. But what, what he's saying here is, would you rather focus on my light, focus on my scripture where I say, listen, right here is remembering the truth that you are not worthless, that you are not a mistake and that your value doesn't matter about what you do, but your value is in me, Jesus Christ. Can't you see that what I focus on matters? If I focus on my thoughts, my feelings, I'm going to be led astray, but I've got to focus on who Christ is and what he means for me. And when times get hard, we've got to look to God. We've got to let him be our strength. Let him be our hope. When life's unfortunate, we got to give God our undivided attention. I'll just give you one more. In uncertain times, cling to an unshakable faith. Now, when I wrote that, I, I sat on it for a few minutes because I was like, unshakable faith, really? It seemed disingenuous to me at first. But I think what I'm trying to say is that this, this is a faith that clings to Jesus even when it doesn't make sense. Even when all the circumstances go terrible, it's saying, it doesn't matter. I'm going to trust in God anyways. It's a faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says, listen, our God has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship you. A faith like David who went to battle even though he was outmatched because he knew he wasn't alone. Faith like Esther who said, I'm going to go before the king and advocate for my people even if I walk to my death. A faith like Job who says, even though he slay me, I will still hope in him. A faith like Paul who says this, Philippians 1.19, yes, even in my imprisonment, I will rejoice because everything in my life is leading to my deliverance, Right? I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, it will turn out for my deliverance. It may seem bad now, but I rejoice because I know that my deliverance is on the way. God is either going to make a way to release me from prison or I will die here and join him in heaven. And this is where Paul writes, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. See, Paul's living with a different kind of perspective. He's living with an eternal perspective. He knows that sometimes life is miserable. Sometimes you get thrown in jail for doing the right thing. 
But even at rock bottom, there's one thing I cling to, that even though he slay me, he saved me. And all this here is just temporary. So here at the uh, Hebner household this week, we made a questionable decision. Uh, we decided that we would replace like 75 to 80% of the flooring in our house. And that's not the questionable decision. Right? The questionable decision was, you know me, it's all about saving the money. My back is killing me, but I'm saving money. We decided to do the demo ourselves. That was the questionable decision, right? And let, let's be honest. Right now, our house is a disaster. It's close to uninhabitable. If you walk in our house without shoes on, you may need to go to the hospital later. Like there's pieces of tile everywhere. And if this was long term, it, it would drive us nuts. Right? But it's not. It's only temporary. Hopefully here in the next couple of days, we're going to have a house that looks so much better. And listen, don't get me wrong. It's been hard work. I've got dust in places I didn't know existed. Like, and we found problems. It's going to cost more than I ever hoped it would cost in certain, because we found problems. Like, it's not fun. But, you know, today's Sunday, and I'm not thinking about the jackhammering that I have to do later today. I'm thinking about Tuesday. Tuesday, when I'm going to be enjoying my new floors. Doing what Paul says in Philippians 3, forgetting what lies behind, but striving forward to what lies ahead. This type of faith requires for us to surrender our own plans, to surrender our idea of what we need, surrender our idea of how we're supposed to navigate things and how we're supposed to do things and say, you know what, God, I don't understand what's going on here, but I'm just going to trust in you. There's a scripture that's, Really famous, and I'm sure you've heard it before, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Have you ever read the book of Jeremiah? It's not encouraging. It's low-key depressing. Like, a lot of bad stuff happened. Like, because of the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah's life, he writes the book of Lamentations right? He's nicknamed the weeping prophet. And I read through the book of Jeremiah and there's, there's a part of me that I don't understand this, but there's a part of me that's like, God, I kind of hope you don't got plans for me because it didn't turn out too good for Jeremiah. Like it, it's bad. But see this, that mentality, it, it illuminates that maybe I don't fully comprehend the promise of God. He knows the plans that he has for you. The question is, do you know? Do you know the plans that he has for you? And do you trust his plan? I just want to ask a couple questions. What if God's idea of prospering is different than ours? What if we have to let go of our own plans to accept what the Lord is trying to hand us? What if the plans of God are not physical but spiritual? And what if God's ultimate plan is to make us more like him? And sometimes, man, that's a hard process because there's a lot of us it's got to go. But what if plan, God's plan is not about what we do, but rather who we become? What if his plan for good, his plan for hope, is, is from a direct result from our relationship with his son? See, when Jesus came, he knew what had to be done. He was preparing to make 
the sacrifice so that we could have life in the next. Is it possible that there are times where we become so focused on the moment, so focused on, on the weight of our struggles that we wade through that sometimes we lose sight of our eternal victory? What if God sacrificed our happiness right now so that we could have joy forever? Is it possible that God who sees all things saw more value in preparing us for heaven rather than fixing our current temporary problems? And that is not to say that God doesn't care about the here and now, that he's not concerned about you. You understand that God has the, the hairs on your head numbered? That doesn't just mean he knows how many. You ask God, which one is hair 152 and he'll show you. Like that's intense. He cares. But I think that God cares so much more about your future. Right? He doesn't want to just heal you now. He wants you to have something that will last forever. And sometimes that perspective is what we need. Because sometimes there may not be hope here. There's some things that cannot be changed here those of you that have suffered loss, that will never be different. But guess what? God made a way so that pain doesn't have to sting forever, that one day you will be with them again, right? That's faith. Saying, you know what? I know the circumstances stink, but my God's got something better. So I'm gonna trust in him today. I'm gonna trust. In other words, how do we become closer in contact with hope? Hope because we know that our current struggle will not have the final say. Because we are people who believe that our Savior has overcome the world. I want to end this morning by reading some song lyrics to you. I just seem so fitting to where we are right now. And it's, it's, it's a little eerie to me that this song came out a couple years ago and has been overly popular and I'm not saying that COVID's a response to this, but it's, it's eerie. I'm just going to say that. The song's called Oceans. It said, you called me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there, it's there that I find you in the mystery. In oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. I keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in the deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me. You have never failed and you won't stop now. You have never failed and you won't start now. So I will call upon your name and I will keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. Why? Because I am yours and you are mine. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. And let my faith be made stronger in the presence of did you get that? In the presence of my Savior. What if our current struggle is an opportunity for the kingdom of God?
to be seen inside of us? Where is your focus? Are you focused on your problems? Are you focused on all the bad things? Or today you can choose to say, I'm going to focus on the light. I'm going to focus on my Savior. I'm going to put my focus not on how I feel, but I'm going to put my focus on what I know and that God still reigns, he's still good, and he still loves me. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your word. God, you could have decided any way you wanted to, to reign. You could have been a tyrant and you would have still been worthy of praise because of who you are, but you're not. Instead, you decided to love because it is your chief character. And Lord, I know that this last six months for, for a lot of us, it, it, even if it hasn't been up and down or, or, or just terrible or just hard, there's, there's just been times where it's just been a struggle. And Lord, I just, I just pray that regardless of what happens to us here on this earth, that we would constantly be reminded of, of who you are and what that means for us. That regardless of what we face, we have reason to celebrate, reason to have joy because of you and what you've done. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to, to take our focus and change our outlook so that it's your outcome we receive. Father God, I ask that you'd help us to, to look for and to see opportunities. And sometimes that means just doing things a little bit differently than we've done before. But Lord, help us to, to see those and, and just give us strength to, to, to make an impact in those. And Lord, I just ask that you would grow our faith. That in this time is, is where our faith can grow the most. Because it's, it's, it's in these times where we say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are. But I know that you're good. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to keep pushing through. And I'm going to do everything as if I'm doing it for you. Lord, we need you desperately. Father God, we love you. We praise you. Please go with us. Give us strength to live for you. In your name, amen.